Throughout literature, roads, roads often serve as a metaphor for a journey through life. Many poems, proverbs, and stories utilize road imagery. And sometimes in that road imagery, there's a fork in the road. And the protagonist is faced with a choice. This way or that way? Which way will the path of of life lead? Robert Frost tells of a famous road that diverged in a yellow wood, and he says that he took the road less traveled by, and that made all the difference. A common theme in Russian folklore is that knights would come and approach a fork in the road and see a sign that would read something like this. If you ride to the left, you'll lose your horse. If you ride to the right, you'll lose your head. And it's in this vein, it seems most appropriate to quote Lewis Carroll in his Alice in Wonderland when she came to a crossroad with the famous Cheshire Cat. Alice came to a fork in the road and said, which road do I take? Where do you want to go? responded the Cheshire Cat. I don't know, Alice answered. Then, said the cat, it doesn't matter. Does the road we take in life matter? Yes. Do we know where we want to go? Yes. We're not in the spot that Alice and the cat were in. Today, we have the opportunity to follow Jesus again. And he's going to put two roads before us. Here as we think about money and how we live as Christians, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our finances. So here's the two roads that lie before us. These two roads have questions. One question is this. Are you going to serve money with Jesus as a part of your life? Or are you going to serve Jesus with money as a part of your life? These are the two roads. And which one are we going to go down? This is, a, this is something we, that we all know the right answer to answer here at church. This is the thing to do. We should say, oh, the Jesus way. But don't answer too quickly. Hold on. Do a self-diagnosis. Are you going to serve money with Jesus as a part of your life? Or are you going to serve Jesus with money as a part of your life? See, I assume everybody in this room, you wouldn't be in this room if you didn't care at some level about Jesus Christ. And most of us in this room aren't going to be so crass as to say, you know what, I'm here just to use Jesus to get stuff. Sometimes, if we're honest, and things don't go our way, we can wonder, why am I praying? Why am I serving? Why am I doing this stuff if things aren't going well? This morning, we're going to examine both of those roads, and actually, Jesus is going to help us examine those roads. He's going to call us to examine these roads and to examine ourselves so that we can set aside convenient illusions like, I don't have enough money to live for money. Or, I'm not materialistic. I know people way worse than me. Or, I'm just trying to be faithful. Or, I'm a Christian. I prayed a prayer. I got baptized. Of course I trust Jesus more than money. He's asking us to put those kind of Christian tropes aside and ask this question, which road am I really on? 
The one where I serve money with Jesus as a part of my life, or the one where I serve Jesus with money as a part of my life. And this can be awkward. Believe me, I'm preaching. I get it. This can be awkward, but it's necessary. Because if your relationship with money is broken, your relationship with Jesus is broken too. And it's possible to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, and yet not know how to think about your money. So, do you serve Jesus? Do you serve money with Jesus as a part of your life, or Jesus with money as a part of your life? And our call this morning is to serve Jesus and not money. And I'll show you where I get this from. I get it from Matthew chapter six. We're going to focus on verses 21 through 24, but I'm going to begin reading for context in verse 19. We preached on this last week. Verse 19 says, Do not, this is Jesus speaking, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, then, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wherewithal and the ability and the internal honesty to be able to communicate to ourselves, that your word would communicate to each of us individually so that we can be honest with where we really are, Lord. It may not be anything anyone can see, but Lord, you do. And I pray that you would encourage where appropriate, convict where appropriate, I pray that you would inspire, Lord, because that's always appropriate. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people that ever more presses to follow you over and against everything. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Our call this morning is to serve Jesus and not money. And we see this with two simple points. First, there are two kinds of sights. Two kinds of sight. Now you should notice that there's an abrupt change between verses 21 and 22. Remember verse 21, he's talking about treasure. For where your treasure is, he says, look there, there your heart will be also. And then verse 22, he shifts over to talking about eyes and lamps. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now whenever we notice an abrupt shift in the Bible... Those are invitations to ask questions like, what is happening here? And we want to read closely enough so that we can ask those kind of questions and not just buzz over things that don't make sense on the first read. 
because we know that nothing in the Bible is ever random. And so verse 22 flows from verse 21 and somehow carries forward the same argument. And what was that argument that Jesus was making in verse 21? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, he said, your hearts are tied to your treasures. So your heart, what you love, will, your, tre- your hearts follow your treasures. So if your treasures are wrapped up on earth, your hearts will follow things here on earth. If your treasure is, is in heaven, your heart will be tied there. And so he then shifts to talking about light. He starts talking about healthy eyes and bad eyes or diseased eyes. Now, what's the connection? Your heart dictates who you are. Remember we said last week, our heart, when he talks about heart, he's not talking about that organ that pumps 60 to 80 times right here. He's talking about that thing that makes you, you. The heart is what you, it describes, if you look inside your heart, it's what you love. It's how you live. It's who you are. The heart is another way of saying you. Your heart is you. Your heart sets the course for your life. And your eyes and your heart, they're related. When you see something with your eyes, your heart decides that you need it. So our eyes show us, show our hearts things to live for and love. For example... When I was 10, I had a bike, and it was a great bike. It was a bike that did everything I needed to do. It was one speed, but it covered all the bases. I made ramps, and it jumped. I even jumped over my little brothers as they laid down. and, and I don't think my parents knew that, but they do now. I rode to school and back with that bike. I rode to my friend's house with that bike. I rode, to get, I rode to the convenience store with that bike. It was a great bike. But then one day, my friend got a different bike, and he said, let's race. I'm like, I'm down to race. I can do this. We had this long street, and we were off. And I was out of the chute. I'm winning. I'm going. I'm winning. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he goes by me like that. And I looked at him, and I realized... My legs are going faster. They're pedaling faster and moving faster. And his are going slower, but he's leaving me in the dust. And I'm thinking, what kind of sorcery is this? (laughs) And my dad said, I told my dad it was flummoxed, and he goes, well, that's a 10-speed bike, son. You just got one speed. At that moment, my fine bike that I could jump over my brothers with on a ramp was now not fine. From that moment on, my heart, because I saw it with my eyes, my eyes saw the 10 speed, my heart was now set on having that 10 speed. My heart decided that it was going to be a 10 speed or nothing. And this is how our hearts work all the time. Our hearts show us, our eyes show us things, show our hearts things to love. So as we take things in, now this isn't just physically, but it includes physical, physical sight, it's spiritual sight, physical sight. As we take things in, our hearts show us what, our eyes show us what our hearts want to love. 
And the trick is, 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 is difficult because following Jesus is not a matter of sight, but of faith, right? This is why it's hard. We can't see Jesus on his throne right now. We can't see his millions of angel attendants. We can't hear or see the saints who've gone before us around his throne worshiping him. We cannot see the four living creatures before the throne. We can't see him. Our sight is limited. And we can see money and all the things that money can buy. That's the problem. And so when Jesus contrasts a healthy eye with a diseased eye, he's saying a healthy eye is focused on Jesus and his purposes. A diseased eye is focused on money and its purposes. So a healthy eye is focused on the treasures we might lay up in heaven. A diseased eye is focused on the treasures we might lay up on earth. And so that's what he's getting at in verse 22. Verse 22 and 23. The eye, he says in verse 22, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. When your eye is focused on Jesus and his purposes, your life will be full of light. Your life will be full of purpose and meaning. This will mean that you're going to be willing and able to sacrifice and serve to advance the kingdom of God in both big and small ways. You'll do this with your money. You'll do this with your life. You'll do this with your time. You'll do this with your energy. This means that if your eyes are full of light, you're going to want to give yourself for Jesus and his purposes. You're going to want to kill self-righteousness, pride, slander, judgmentalism, greed. You're going to want to see the lost found. This means that you will want to also spend your money to serve Jesus. You will serve Jesus with money merely as part of your life. That's what a healthy eye looks like. And the contrast is wholesale. Verse 23, here's what a bad eye or a diseased eye looks like. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. When he says whole body, that means your whole life. Your whole life will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, if your eyes are dark, if you're focused on things that are not of the kingdom, it will plunge you into darkness. You will be willing, it means, this means you'll be willing to sacrifice anything to gain money and possessions. This means that you will do anything, give yourself whatever you have to do to save a dollar. This means you'll give yourself to your job and its purposes. This means that you will not regard generosity as a priority because it's not a good investment. And this will mean that you will be consumed with money. You'll be used by money to serve instead of serving Jesus. We want to this is, where, this is where we have to recognize the difference between bad and good eyes. See, one of the difficulties when we talk about money is that there's not one person in this room who thinks they're greedy. None of us do. And the trick with greed is that it has this numbing factor. Think about it. When you're stealing, you know you're stealing. When you're lying, you know you're lying. When you're angry, you know it. When you're lusting, you know it. When you're envying, you know it. But when you're greedy, often you don't. See, the reason Jesus talks about money more than heaven and hell combined 
is because money and how we think about it and how we spend it is a map to our souls. Because our attitude toward what we have financially shows what we really trust. Good eyes. Good eyes focus on those things of eternal value. Bad eyes focus on those things of earthly value. Again, as we said last week, Christianity does not call us to take a vow of poverty. It doesn't call us to give away everything. It doesn't call us to, to eschew responsibilities to our friends or to our family. Um, it doesn't cause us not to... Prov- it's not wrong to earn a good wage or to provide, but what we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I serve money with Jesus as a part of my life? Or do I serve Jesus with money as a part of my life? How's your eye? Good or bad? Our call is to serve Jesus and not money. He moves from verses 22 and 23 from two kinds of sight now to two kinds of masters. And here, in verse 24, is when it really starts to get uncomfortable. Here's Jesus speaking. It's, anytime you read Jesus speaking, you know he knows the score, right? He created all things. He knows everything about us. He is an expert on human nature. And so when he says something about humans, it's not like, okay, well, that's your theory. What's your evidence? Do you have any studies to back that up? It's not the way it works with Jesus. Verse 24, no one, he says, can serve two masters. This is not like employers. These are masters. This is master-slave language here. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, that's all of us, cannot serve God and money. One Bible commentator says, his words are so uncomfortable that even those of us who say we love him and fight to defend Scripture's authority find ourselves looking for ways around what he says here. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. When Jesus says master in verse 24, he's using the language of slavery. This isn't the kind of racial slavery that we had in the United States Slavery has been a reality in the civiliz- every civilization that has ever existed. He's asking us, who would we rather be enslaved to? Who would we rather serve? Jesus or money? Now one thing that I would recommend is that when we look at this verse, in verse 24, it says you cannot serve God and money. He's personifying money. He's presenting money to be a God. That M there should be capitalized. See, money here is being presented as a God in competition with the God most high. So let's set them side by side. What can money, the God money, offer? Well, it calls out and says, Come to me, all you who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you things to make you happy. Money promises that you can get the things that you can't live without. And when you get them, you can get the next thing you can't live without. For money, the greatest sin is wasting it. Wasted to find on spending your money on anything that doesn't give a return to you. The God money teaches you to ask, ask, what is in it for me? Is this a good investment? The God money requires everything and more. Money's not content for one part to occupy one part of your life. It wants you to think and dream and strategize about getting more. It wants you to muse on those things you want to buy. It wants you to change wants into needs. The God of money also demands unwavering devotion, demands worship. The God of money is going to direct us not to reason why, but to do, 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 and get more. And there's always deeper levels of sacrifice to attain to. And the reward is the next thing, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next. That's the God of money. The late David Foster Wallace wrote about a week he experienced on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. As he was reveling in the experience and having a wonderful time, he wondered aloud, am I on the best cruise ship? Is there a better cruise ship out there? Should I be on that one instead? What am I missing out on? Then he wrote, I know I wouldn't be happy on that other ship either. Because there's a dissatisfied and infantile part of me that always indiscriminately wants more. The big lie is that I could ever be completely satisfied with anything. But I so desperately want to believe it. That's the truth right there. That's the God of money telling you that you can be satisfied if you just get the next thing. What about the real God? What about the real God? The real God is good. The real God doesn't just put on good like a jacket. This is who he is. The real God has always and ever been good, and he has loved us. And loved us so much, not just that he said it, but he gave his only son. He impoverished himself by sending his son so that we might be able to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places right now. The real God gives of himself. The greatest sin against this real God. Well, there's countless sins we have committed against this God, and yet the blood of Jesus covers them all. So we can rest assured that he will not deal with us according to our sins. He will not repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Sin is no barrier because he is broken through. What does the real God require? Everything. Why? Because he owns us twice. Once by creating us, 
another by redeeming us. We are not our own. We do not belong. We don't, we're not even, we're not captains of our own souls. <coughs> we owe him complete allegiance and devotion. We must love him and serve him and submit to him and bring our lives in compliance to him because we owe all to him. But he has given us more than we could ever repay. See, the, if you weigh it in the balance, what he has given to us is far beyond what we could ever give to him. We read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a small thing to give our lives, our future, our legacy, our hopes and dreams, and everything we are to a God like this, who has given us His Son, so that me, we might be able to have become the very righteousness of God. This God requires everything. This God also requires worship. It's not just an act of worship on Sunday morning, but a life of worship. We live now as blood-bought saints devoted to advance His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And what's our reward for serving this God? We will be blessed in eternity beyond all powers of our imagination. Any attempt I have to try to communicate what this blessing would be like would fall short. When we trust God and are free to be generous, His reward to us will be an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. No one who gives generously, sacrificially, consistently will ever regret that decision in eternity. Not a one of you is going to pull me to the side and say, listen, back in 2023, when we had that giving series, we decided to give an extra 2%, and it was rough. No one's going to do that. Because our reward will be beyond what we can imagine. No one can serve both God and money. So which road are you on? Do you serve money with Jesus as a part of your life, or do you serve Jesus with money as a part of your life? Because we're not saying money shouldn't be a part of our life. It is. It's just a reality. But it doesn't have to be our God. See, if you're aware that you're on the wrong road, think of this as God's goodness and pointing it out to you so that you might be able to respond in conviction Ask forgiveness. Begin to, begin to express generosity toward those you know who need it. Toward your church if you're not giving. Our God is merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. And He delights when you follow Him and honor Him with your money.
Our call as a church is to serve Jesus and not money. Two thoughts as we close. First, we are owned. We're not owners. We are owned. We're not owners. See, all of us in this room owe an allegiance to a power higher than ourselves. And the money we have now is not ours. Not for permanent. Not for, for sure. And you are going... The generosity we have to express today is a generosity that we're using. It's like monopoly money. One day we're going to have to give it all back. And the generosity we can use now builds a legacy in eternity. Some of us might say, I can't afford to give. I don't know your situation. I don't know what anybody gives. I don't have anybody in mind. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you have some difficult financial straits that you're in. If you need help, let us know. But maybe the reason you can't afford to give, just maybe, is because you've invested in other places that are not the kingdom. This is a self-diagnostic. Maybe it's your way of saying, God, I know... I know that you're good, but... I don't know that I can trust you with my money. See, we can't afford only to base our generosity on how we feel. We're never going to feel generous. We're never going to think, okay, now's the time for generosity. We have to base our generosity on what we have in Christ. If our master came to us today and looked and how we spend our money, would he say, you're right, you can't afford to give. Well done. Or would he say something else? Now, I'm not saying it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy or that it's not risky or it's hard. It is. It's all his. But when you're not acting with generosity, there's a part of your life not living in line with what Jesus has called you to do. And we have an opportunity to expand his kingdom. Our church exists to expand his kingdom in two ways. We want to go deep, we want to go wide. We, want to, we exist to make and mature followers of Jesus Christ. This is kingdom expansion with depth and width. Deep in that we, want, we exist so that we can help every Christian who calls Center Church home an opportunity to mature in Christ. It's also wide because we want to make the name of Jesus known to people who do not know Jesus Christ. So all ministry, this is what all ministry happens at Center Church. This is where it goes. So when you give here, this is what your money goes to. If you're a member here, you're called to give here. If you're a member of another church, you're called to give there. I say this, as I said, thinking of no one. But I would be an unfaithful preacher of the word if I did not remind you that this is our call to be faithful. It is better to give than to receive, and I promise that it will be worth it. We each have an opportunity to take something as common as money and leverage it for kingdom advancement. Sacrifice for his kingdom and its advancement is never going to make fiscal sense. And there's always going to be good reasons not to give. We're going to think thoughts like, if I had a little more... If I had a different job, 
if I didn't have others to think about, if I was older, if I was younger. No one is too young, no one is too old, no one has too little. When the Master comes, he's going to ask us to give an account, even with what we spend. Something as small as giving money to his purposes in your local church or to gospel preaching ministries or to missionaries will be turned into eternal reward. This is an investment opportunity that is sure to deliver. We talked about some of the opportunities that stand before us last week. I'll invite you to listen to the last sermon to find out details, but I talked about last week how we're inviting you to pray about us planting another church. In the future, we invited you to pray about helping us to, to hire a staff member, even as one of our staff pastors retires. Eternity is going to reveal many rewards, but our money now can make an eternal difference. See, in eternity, you're going to see how your money led to people, your giving led to people getting saved, led to someone understanding the scriptures, led to someone being trained to evangelize, we're owned, and we're not owners. We need to remember that. We're just here for a temporary time. We're owned, and we're not owners. Also, let's take a risk. I wonder if many of us, if, if you're not, for those of you that are giving faithfully, thank you. For those of you who've been giving faithfully for years and decades, thank you. For those of you who are thinking about giving faithfully, Thank you. But I wonder if many of us aren't giving regularly because we're afraid. The economic forecast isn't great, right? Gas prices are high. Inflation isn't good. Eggs are expensive. People aren't egging houses anymore. And it doesn't seem like a good time to take a risk. In one of his letters to Erasmus, Luther said, your thoughts of God are too human. I think, as I think about myself, and maybe this applies to some of you, then when it comes to the money we have, our thoughts of God, when it comes to giving, our thoughts of God and what he calls us to do are too human. One of the things he promises to do is that when, he, when we give sacrificially, he says in Malachi chapter 3, test him. Test him. Be generous and test him to see what he does. You see, with money, we have an opportunity. The older I get, the more I recognize that I want to be a part of something that lasts. I don't want to be a part of something that is seasonal, that's here today and gone tomorrow. I don't want to be a part of something that is just comes and goes. I want to be a part of something that's sturdy. I want to be a part of something that lasts. I want to put my shoulder behind something that matters not just for today or tomorrow or this year or next year, but for all eternity. And that's what we're about here. What we're about is making the name of Jesus Christ ring both in our ears and hearts and in this community. That's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what we're doing. And so as we think about how we might each 
practically come alongside and do this. There's opportunities to serve, yes. There's opportunities to, to, pray, for, to, to pray for all that's going on here, absolutely. But there's also opportunities for generosity. And as we do that, what we're doing is we're building something more than we might be able to see with our eyes. And we're serving Jesus and not money. So, as we come to the end and think about the questions we had, which road are you on? Do you serve money with Jesus as a part of your life? Or do you serve Jesus with money as a part of your life? Unlike Alice, we know the way to go, and we know where we're going. Let's go together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open up the floodgates of blessing on those that are faithfully giving, Lord, and I pray that you would open opportunities, Lord, for us to test you as we give, Lord. I pray that you would help us each to think about how we think about money, Lord. It's very easy to give ourselves a pass as we look at our bills, as we look at our commitments, as we look at retirement looming, as we look at these things. And Lord, I ask that you would help us each to just consider the road we're on, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a church that is able to extend, do our part to help extend your kingdom one person at a time, one ministry at a time, one conversation at a time. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a place that continues to plant churches. I pray that you would help us to be a place that continues to impact people's lives for eternity, Lord. And these things we do, we do for your glory and your name, Lord. And I pray that you would help us all to see that real connection. And Lord, I also pray that you would help us to recognize that one day, our lives will be over and we will be with you. We will be in front of you. And there will be a reckoning. Lord, I pray that you would, on that day, I pray that we would, pray that when all is revealed, that we are generous people for your purposes in your kingdom, Lord. Because we know that you don't need us and our money to advance your kingdom, but you feel free to use us and your money, or our money, to advance your kingdom, Lord. And it's your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen.